get it. Hello, and welcome to Digging Deep, our podcast. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for over 25 years. Through this podcast, Digging Deep, we're going to bring to you our knowledge, our challenges, our foibles, our stories, and our ideas to help you create the most unique landscape for you and your family. Our last podcast had to do with drainage, and we want to roll with that forward into um, into more aspects of the landscape design and what you could do now that it's winter because you can't be out in the yard working. Exactly. A lot of people are thinking it's winter, shut the window, shut the drapes and forget about it. But you know what? The, the reality is now that it is winter, now is the best time to actually think about your landscape. And what Roberta and I were talking about just a couple minutes ago was this is the best time for planning. And your another word for planning would be dreaming. Dreaming, right. So dreaming your landscape. But right before, you could be dreaming as well. But also, let's just mention that um, there's a lot of pruning that goes on in the winter. Yes, there is. Yeah. There's rose pruning, and our seasons kind of went from hot to cold very quickly. So I haven't cut back my ornamental grasses yet or done any of that. So that's there is some work to be done. And that's the work part. But let's talk about the dreaming and the planning of the garden. Okay. I think, and then before we're ending, if we have time, yeah, just some cursory steps that you need to do in the wintertime to kind of get your yard, your landscape um, in, into shape so it we can get ready to dream. Right. right. Well, you know, something that helps um, with the dreaming and the planning are all these fabulous plant catalogs that come yes. out at this time of year. And they know, they know that um, it's winter and all you could do is start thinking about the garden to come. And a lot of people are thinking to themselves, well, why don't I just go to the nursery? Well, the problem with going to the nursery, <laughs> and it, even though it's fun, there are a lot of perennials. Those are things that come back every year. And there are a lot of plants, deciduous plants that have lost their leaves. So when you go to the nursery, some of the most incredible plants are bare sticks or if you look in the pot, they're empty. They're not even there. Right. Uh, a nursery is only going to sell um, or show you what's blooming. And things like, well, there's hostas right. and, and black-eyed seasons. And daylilies. And daily All these summertime perennials are dormant. They're asleep and they're not even they're not even showing you that. I mean, could you imagine you go through a nursery and it's like, hey, everything's dead. Yeah, it, it's funny because when I take clients, I still am taking clients to the nursery. And when we're looking at things and I'll make some suggestions, it's very hard to hand them an empty pot like a daylily and say, oh, this is beautiful. It's got gorgeous yellow flowers or orange <laughs> flowers or anything. And they're looking at it going, there's dirt in the pot. There's nothing in there. There's oh, trust me, there. there is something in there. <laughs> so yeah. Or if you're describing, like I took a client just about a week ago and we were looking at crepe myrtles and crepe myrtles are beautiful. They have great fall color and they have wonderful, wonderful flowers that last about a, a month or so. And But right now they're bare sticks mm -hmm. and they've cut them back at the nursery. So they're chopped bare sticks. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to tell them, oh, this would be perfect in this spot. What do you think of this? And they're looking at it going... Uh, it's naked and it's cut back and I'm not getting a lot of excitement from seeing right. this. Right. And when you say something like, trust me, that's like famous last word. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Oh. So looking at catalogs are great. And also you can go on the internet and start looking at plants because again, 
this will show you, like, for example, there's, there's a wonderful plant that I've been using. It's called a weeping redbud. And again, those are, those are bare right now, and they've got an interesting form, but when you show it to a client or when you're thinking about it, if you look on the internet, it shows you at the end of winter, the first uh, they bloom first before they get any leaves, what color the blooms look like, then the leaves come out, and then when the, right. the leaves change color. So the neat thing about it is if you see something or you see a name and you have no idea what it looks like, you can go on the internet or in a catalog and you can actually look and see what it looks like in the different seasons. Yeah, I love I love when um, different uh, catalogs and books will show you what a plant looks through the seasons because it's, it's very important. You know, a lot of my clients, um, they're real advocates of native gardens. And I think it's a wonderful idea. However, if you're if you have a landscape, a normal landscape, your neighbors have a landscape, and then you decide you're going to do an all-native garden, it's a little bit more wild than any of your neighbors, and the plants go dormant at different times. Right, and I, this is me, I, I have a little hard time when someone says I want to use all natives. And let me explain what I mean by that is, okay, native to, are we saying we're native to California, right. native to Northern California? Well, the reality is, for example, redwoods are native to California, but redwoods in the Inland Valley are not native. No, it's too hot. It's too hot, but na- redwoods on the coast they grow beautifully. So if you're saying, I want to use natives to where? To the the region you're in? Well, we're in the Sacramento Valley where the natives were basically valley oaks and meadow grasses. That's pretty much it. There's a few more, but you you really have to read about them. I love Ceanothus, but Ceanothus is not long-lived. So there's there's lots of little things. So I always, um, you know, I'm doing a landscape for my clients. It's like a hairdresser. You're not going to just cut the hair the way you want it right it's a co it's a co-creation here and so but if we're not if we're not apprised of what's going on with these plants we're going to steer you you know you're going to have this idea of what you're going to have and the reality is you're not going to get that and my question to you is and i'll throw this out to you at what point do you consider something native if it's been naturalized and it's been growing here for a hundred years are we then going to say it's been around in the Inland Valley for 100 years? Wouldn't we then consider it a native? Well, you know what? I, I like to up-level in this way. The reason why you would want natives is because you'd want something to grow in your climate, in your area, with the water needs that our climate has. Yes. So a native plant and a drought-tolerant plant are doing almost the same thing. Absolutely. You know, in our area, there's a lot of people that love bougainvillea or a Southern California hibiscus. Hibiscus, right. And these plants, if it's cold enough, they're going to die. They're going to die, absolutely. And so that's, um, you know, that's something to look at. So I would look more at what grows in your region right, and how it can thrive here. And there's many, like rock rose or cystus, there are so many different hybrids now yes. that what was maybe native <laughs> is no longer exactly native to Northern California. And for again, you know, taking for granted that everyone understands what, what uh, Roberta is saying or what I'm saying is hybridization. What that is, is they'll take a plant that may be very native, originally grew into the area, and then they cross-pollinate it and they change it. They they take cuttings from it. And so they'll change the nature of it. It's the same plant. But for example, a lot of the nurseries now, some of the, some of the plants that grow very 
large. People love them, but they're too big. So what they'll now do is they'll hybridize them so that they become dwarf. Well, they can have compact. Well, something interesting to know is when you go to a nursery, you'll see a plant and it's got a name, Sparkle Dazzle or this or that. Right. However, if you want to really know the genus of that plant, it's Latin. Yes. It's a Latin. Yes. And the reason they use Latin is because Latin is a dead language. It yes. cannot be changed. So if you really want to find out what you're getting, you have to go to the Latin root. So of it's plant. a genus and a species. So it would be like a Prunus lorisericus, that uh, uh, a Grecian laurel. Um, and then they may have a little in parentheses, um, they'll have another little name, which could be the hybrid, hybridized um, part of that. So for example, Photinia fraseri, which happens to be the common name is Photinia. They now have one that's a dwarf version of it because Photinia can get 15 20 to 20 feet. feet. Uh-huh. But they have one that's called Firecracker that stays at five feet. Yeah, which is amazing. Now we've kind of gone down a little road here. So we were talking about <laughs> dreaming in and planning, yeah. <laughs> planning your garden. And um, I think it was last winter, I went on the internet, I was having coffee in bed, and I thought, oh, you know, I really want some dahlias this summer, some beautiful dahlias. And so I went online, and um, I bought all these different varieties of dahlias. The nurseries will not ship until the climate is right, so I'm not going to get them until March. But in my yard, and I have a big yard, and it's quite landscaped, I only have certain areas where those dahlias can go. So... I might be dreaming about dahlias, but I also have to be rational about where are they going to go. Right. And going backwards for a second, when when Roberta, and, and I agree with her 100%, you need to think about what are the things that you want in your daydreaming. It's, it's also thinking about the elements of design that you want. So for example, do you want a specific flower garden? Do you want a specific rose garden? Do you want a vegetable garden? Do you want an herb garden? Do you want a very large patio that's an outdoor room? As you're daydreaming, you start thinking about, it's the same thing with a house. Mm-hmm. When you're, If you're designing your own house, or even if you're going to look for a house, you may want a dining room or a house with no dining room and just has an area, an eating area off the kitchen. You may want a great room, or you might want a living room or you might want to study or an art studio there are things that we don't just buy a house and then try to figure out what are we going to do with all the rooms or let's hope we don't do that (laughs) well an important thing to do and a fun thing to do is get out a piece of paper and start first of all writing down all the elements that you'd like now the difference between um you know, choosing your rooms, your rooms are going to be chosen for you as far as the exposure in yes, your yard. Yes. Okay, so you're, you're not going to have a Japanese garden um, with um, azaleas, camellias, hydrangeas in full sun. In full sun, that's it's, true. It's going to be in the shadier part of your yard. So after you make a list of all the things you'd love, then kind of draw out the, the shape of your yard and then just circle in the areas that gets lots of sun, that, that might get a lot of sun, part shade, this, that. And then, you know, it's, it's it could be almost like a board game. Right. Then you could start thinking, oh, I could do the garden garden here. It needs full sun. Right. And what Roberta was saying is one of the things that I even talk about, and I, I mentioned that in one of the books I wrote was doing a sun chart. 
actually go out there, you you know, put your house where your house is, it doesn't even have to be to scale, and then um, the side yard gets sun till two o'clock, the backyard gets sun till one o'clock, and actually make a sun chart. Because what Roberta was saying is very true. I mean, you may dream that you want all these shade things. I have clients all the time that say, oh, I love hydrangeas. But you have no shade. And until you provide either some big trees that are going to shade or some sort of an overhead structure or trellis or pergola that's going to give shade, you put a hydrangea in the full sun, it's going to turn into a crispy critter. Yeah, or a Japanese maple, or right. my clients love dogwoods. Yes. You know, these poor little trees, you put them out in the blazing sun and they, they just crumble. So so planning is important. And also um, noting how many hours of sun you get, because there's all these different microclimates. Exactly. And you might want um, an area planted up that gets um, lots of morning sun and then a shade, or lots of shade, then morning sun and certain plants love morning shade but they don't like the other exactly you have to find a plant that's going to handle both and it's 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 basically um besides a sun chart or analyzing it it's a site analysis it's coming out and looking at your site so for example one of the things that i always tell clients are if at all possible don't put a patio on the western side of your house because that's where you get the hot late afternoon sun because it's basically when it's going to be 4 4 30 5 o'clock 3 30 that's when the sun is low in the sky it slants right it in. slants right in and it's re- that's the hottest part of the day but if your neighbor on the other side of your house has a big two-story house or they have big trees on their side of the western side, the west may be a perfect place to put a patio because you don't get the afternoon sun. It could. It could be. You know, I have a lot of clients that um, they want to put a patio in their front. They want to put a courtyard. Well, I always look at the exposure and I think, all right, if you want to do a walled courtyard and whatever's going to go in there, you're spending... I don't know, five, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Absolutely. If it's going to be blazing hot, you will never be out there. So you right. really need to think about, okay, well, but we want it. Well, how about a shade structure? Okay, but you got to check with the city to see if you're even allowed to put that up. Right. So what we're basically saying is to kind of re- recount: um, daydreaming, winter, mm-hmm. great time besides winterizing and your yards, and. Um, daydreaming what you want, making notes, doing a site analysis, walking outside and seeing kind of that maybe a sun chart, and then start making a list of the things that you know that you definitely want. And at the same time, Roberta just touched on it, you need to contact the city and find out whatever city or county you live in and find out what are the building requirements. Mm -hmm. Because you may want something. That's great. I want it. But the city might say, you can't have it. Yeah, they might have a setback. So in our town, there's... um there's a certain area that the setback is almost up to the house. So they wanted a, my clients had a, these are old houses. They're built in the thirties and the forties. And so the driveways are very narrow. It's, literally a one car driveway. Right. And so to build a carport because there's no garage, uh-uh, can't do it. The city won't allow you. And it's it's great you go ahead and build it. Well, if your neighbor wants to turn you in, they can they can call the city and report you and then the city su- suddenly comes out, writes you a citation and your job gets red tagged. So 
as you're planning and daydreaming, you also have to be doing your due diligence of finding out what are the city setbacks, what are the building setbacks, mm-hmm. what are the restrictions that you need need to be aware of before you before do you do anything while you're still in the daydreaming phase. Mm-hmm. The other thing that you need to check is some of you um, live in planned communities. Oh, oh, let's. Should we go to the HOA? Let's yeah. not do that. <laughs> right. How about another show on that? But we'll I will that. just yeah. mention that. Okay. If you're in, and we'll do a whole podcast on HOAs because that, that one, we could spend a lot of time. But I will tell you. Which is means homeowner association. Yeah, homeowner association that you need to follow their rules. Their rules circumvent even the city rules. You will not Build that there? <laughs> yes, exactly. And and I want to do a whole podcast okay, on that because, okay. oh my God, I've got stories. Oh, I know. Story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stories. Stories. Okay. But anyway, that's something that you need to check as you're daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Get a copy of your homeowners association rules so that that factors into your things that you want. Right. And, you know, another uh, pre, well, a pre something that you could do before the garden goes in which nowadays, when they're building a new house in Sacramento, we have to have soil quality tests. Yes. So um, a really easy way, if you, if you think, okay, I'm going to have an herb garden right here or a vegetable garden, you know where it's going to be, you know it's going to have the right exposure. Well, you could start um, either putting a little cover crop in of clover or something that's going to aerate the soil. You could blanket it with um, a foot of leaves that have come down, you know, so the nutrients start working in the soil. So you could start um, being proactive about these areas because if you're going to have a garden you need really rich soil in fact you have to add a lot of amendments those are some of the things you can do as well and um it's winter the my leaves are all over the ground and um i i did buy a shredder which um you know it's just one more thing to do but and as she was mentioning that um because in the beginning of the show we talked about some of the garden chores for the winter time mulching and pulling the old old um, leaves, pulling the old stems, pulling the old uh, branches, and putting them in a, in a um, mulcher or, or a shredder. Yeah, if you have a shredder. My shredder just does leaves. It doesn't do sticks, but there are there's chippers that, that do that. But um, uh, they're not very expensive, like $120, and you put a plastic bag on the bottom, and it, it's kind of like a, a weed eater that goes yes. around in, a, in the upper barrel. But um, instead of dragging all that to the green waste... You could chop that and it's a fabulous mulch because there's literally probably millions of organisms that break down and go into the soil. It's just so healthy. So that's that's one of the, um, well, there's the dreaming, but there's also the proactive stuff. And, and one, one more thing, okay. one more thing. I know, I know we're almost done, but... Are we? This is an important... Are we almost done? I don't know. We love to talk. We're yeah, almost we, done. Yeah, we, we're almost done. <laughs> but the one thing, I mean, sorry, I'm going to get down to really an important thing. It's called... Try to start thinking about finances in your budget. That is so important. Now, listen, a lot of people, there's certain subjects that they will not go around, they won't go near. Sex, religion, and money. And okay. Money. Yeah. We as designers will not bring up sex and religion or right. politics. Or I politics, add politics right. Okay. But finance, money, I'm always very direct because... Everything costs money. Yes. There's no getting around it. Um, if, can you find bargains? Yes, you could find, you know, you could find things on sale. You could find contractors that do it less expensive. We'll talk about that. You, you right, really don't right. want to go there. But just know, because I had clients that they wanted this new wall to match their home. It was 1920s. And then there was the landscape. And I said, well, what kind of budget? And they said, well, 
you got about 5,000. I said, <laughs> okay, I have to be really honest. That might get you the wall. Exactly. Or, or might not. So things, Or the drawings for the wall. <laughs> or the draw. Yeah, it might not get you the drawings for the wall. But remember, inflation happens to garden supplies as well. Exactly. And all these materials that come in from different places, rock and um, mulch and... All of that is shipped in, and all of that takes fuel, and someone's driving the truck and has a payroll. So it's not the same cost that your dad spent 20 years ago doing exactly. it. Exactly, and that's the, that's the important thing is, is that when you're daydreaming, when you're doing your analysis, when you're thinking about the things you want, you also have to start thinking about budget. And yes, you can phase it in, but you've got to be realistic. Prices are not going down. They're getting higher. And labor, the one thing I tell people, people is 70% of the cost is labor, Right. 30% is materials. So yeah, you can get a great bargain on materials, but unless you're doing the work yourself mm-hmm. and you're going to hire someone, you're going to pay a lot of money and, and those and prices aren't going down. No, and you're paying a lot of money because if you're hiring someone that's licensed, they're pay, paying workman's comp. Yes. They're, they're really covering, they're making it so when they do any work at your house, on your landscape, if anything happens, if anyone gets hurt, you're not liable. Liability insurance, yeah, absolutely. They have all so, that. So, I mean, that was the one thing, sorry to, to, to put a damper on things, you know, and I love dreaming and thinking of all the great things, and there are lots of good things to think about, but as I said, it comes right down at the very end. It's practicality. To, it's practicality, and money is an important thing. We, Roberta and I deal with it every single day in business because our clients, the first thing they always say to us, they look at what me and they go, cost? what is it going to cost? What is it going to cost? Yeah. And then we look at them and we say, a lot. A lot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we don't always do that. But um, but like Michael said, um, if you have a plan, and we're, we're going to talk more about what it's like to, what's entailed with um, hiring a landscape designer and getting a plan. That's if you hire somebody. But if you do a plan yourself... And you can also plan your budget. Let's yes. say I'm going to spend twenty five hundred this year, or five thousand this year, or ten thousand this year, and the next year I'm going to spend, you know, accordingly. And um, and then there's method. There's a step by step process. So you're not going to just do one whole corner of your yard right. and another. But we're going to talk about all that. That's why we have this podcast, digging deep. Right. And we're also going to help you phase it in mm-hmm. and and go through the process because again, it's. It's scary. It, it is scary. It's scary and it's expensive. And you don't want to undo what you've done. You don't want to keep ripping out um, areas because you should have done something first. And our whole basis to why we started this podcast is to educate. We've been in the field for many, many years. We've had our ups and downs and learning curves. And, um, you know, you get to a point where you know how to do it and the steps entailed. And that's what we're bringing to you. And just so that you know, we are still learning. Every day we learn new things, new products, new techniques techniques. Mm -hmm. So as you're learning, so are we. And if you have any questions or comments or topics, anything that you'd like for us to address, go to our website. It's digging deep. That's one word, diggingdeep.blueberry, which is B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. They've dropped the E, blueberry.net diggingdeep.blueberry.net. Leave a comment and we will read it and we will do our best to answer that question. Or not. Or not. (laughs) We might say, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Or we'll bullshit something. Yeah. 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 Which we probably get get found out about that. But anyway, I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. And this is Digging Deep. Thank you for listening and tune in next week.